It is good to be back. And yes, it was just a short little drive down here, two and a half hours. <laughs> I get the strangest looks from people when I say that. I don't know. I don't know. It did that last week, too. All right. Um, you know, each week we're going to have a little bit different theme, and I'll talk about that when we, when we talk after church. But last week we talked about seeking God's direction, and we specifically looked at Jesus' prayer in John 17 and how he prayed for protection. Prayer is our number one weapon in the battle that we face every day, uh, whether it is uh, dealing with people at work, dealing with these nice gas prices we all love, and uh, have you decided, have you tried to buy a steak lately or any kind of food? Uh, uh, I know that's probably up a couple of pennies, isn't it? You know, we, we, we have all kinds of things on our plate, don't we? Uh, plus a little guy named COVID-19, that kind of gets our attention too. But prayer is our number one battle. Uh, the world is looking for people who can guide them and help them through all of this. They're looking to us. And if we're not prayed up and readied up and read up, we're not going to be ready for the battles. And that's what we talked about last week. Jesus prayed not only for their protection, but for unity. Prayed for joy, prayed for purity, that they would be sanctified, that they would be set apart. And so this week, our theme is finding God's purpose. Finding God's purpose. And how do we, as believers, miss the joy of the mission? You know, there's always this, this old, old story. Mom comes to the son and says, son, it's time to get up. He says, I don't want to get up. He says, I've got to get up. It's time for church. I don't want to go to church. I don't, you know, all that. Why do I need to go? He says, son, you're 35 years old, and you're the pastor. You need to be there. You know, sometimes we miss the joy. Pastors do that. You know, we, we oh no, it's another Sunday. We gotta pray. And, and we miss out on the joy. It's another Sunday school class. It's another Bible study. It's to, and we miss out on the joy of what God is doing and what God has for us. So as we look at the end of the story of the, of the prodigal son, and we especially focus in on the older brother, he missed out on the joy of what God was doing. His brother, they thought, was dead and is now alive. You're familiar with the story. We're not going to read the whole story, but in just a minute, if you turn to Luke chapter 15, we are going to read some of the last verses in that story. But if you remember the story, this young man grew up in the dad's house, grew up in a, a, apparently a wealthy home, of the, at least by uh, standards in that day. So, but you know, he got itchy feet. You understand what I mean by itchy feet? He spent too much time on Facebook and social media and Twitter and all of that other stuff and Snapchat and Instagram and 
Uh, I have most of those. I don't have all of them. I don't do Snapchat. I never one felt a need for that one. But in other words, he knew that there was something out there beyond what he had now. And so he went to his dad and said, Dad, you know, at some point you're going to give me money and inheritance. Why don't you just go ahead and give it to me now? He's thinking that back to him, I can go party. And that's what he did. He partied so much he ran out of money. And he wound up taking care of the pigs. Not necessarily a bad job. I was pastor of a church, Northside Baptist Church in Bowling Green, Ohio, and that was my first church out of seminary. They paid me a whopping $50 a week, and our rent was over two or $300 a month, and we had a car payment and all the other kind of stuff. And nobody told us about the recession and not being able to find jobs. And, but God took care of us. But, you know, um, this young man, he was taking care of the pigs. Well, the reason why I brought up Northside, the place where we lived, we rented a trailer on a farm. A great farm family, you know, but they raised pigs. And so being a pig farmer is not a bad thing, unless you're Jewish. Pigs are unclean. So he got the lowest of the low jobs that were out there. But, you know, when you're hungry, you'll do anything. And he thought, he finally came to himself. He said, you know, my dad's servants are doing a whole lot better than I am right now. Maybe if I go back and beg for mercy, he'll at least let me be a servant. You know, I'm not worthy to be called his son, but at least let me go back and be a servant. And then you, have, you remember the story. While he was still afar off, the dad who kept watching for his son saw him and ran out and met him and put the robe on him, put the ring on him, put all that stuff. So let's look at Luke 15, beginning with verse 25 and reading down to, verse, to the end of the chapter. Now that his older son was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. And so he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, Your brother has come because he has received him safe and sound. Your father has killed the fatted calf. But he was angry and would not go in. Therefore his father came out and pleading with him. And so he answered his father and said, Lo, these many years I have been serving you. I have never transgressed your commandment at any time. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this son of yours, who has devoured your livelihood with harlots, you killed the fatted cat for him. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that I have is yours. It was right that we should make merry and be glad, for your brother was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for the truth of this story. Lord, forgive us for the times that we have missed out on the joy of the mission that you've had for us. And Lord, as Westacres Baptist Church seeks your direction, seeks to re reclaim the joy of the mission, seeks to grow again, Lord, help each of us to, Lord, to not only know your mission, but to be joyous in the mission that you've called us to. Help us to learn from your word today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Uh, 
In the parable of the lost son, the older brother completely missed the point here. You know, the, the, the party was going on. He says, wait a minute now. I didn't get any party like this. And he got jealous. And so you could be right in the middle of a work of God and miss out on the joy of what God is doing. It's a contrast parable. The first half was about the son and what he went through and how low, I mean, taking care of pigs, that's pretty low, how low he got in his life. But then there's that restoration. He comes back, and the father runs out and meets him and throws his arms around him. And I've said this in many churches, and I've heard a lot of preachers say it, that journey to Jesus takes one step. And he is right there with you every step of the way. Because, you see, in order to take that one step, there had to be a step in here. And that's where it all happens. That is where Jesus comes into our life. And that's when he made the decision, even before he got up and started heading back home, when he made the decision to go back to his father, that's when the change happened in his life. And the brother missed the point of the whole thing. It's a contrast parable between the two brothers. Furthermore, the first part of the parable can stand by itself. The second part cannot. If we don't understand the first part, we don't understand what I just read. Because it doesn't, the, the, the context is not there. One want to need read Luke 15, verse 25 and 27 to see how this part of the parable requires and builds upon the first. How do we miss the joy? How do we find God's purpose? Well, I'll tell you one thing we don't want to do is misunderstand the priority. As in the parable of the laborers, laborers in the vineyard in Matthew chapter 20, we have in part a picture in this parable. Do you remember the parable in Matthew 20? Workers went out into the field. The first worker went out. He's the faithful son. He's there. He works and works and works. Then there is the vineyard's owner. You, know, you got the protesting. The son is protesting the father's joy over his son coming back. The workers complained to the owner, you're not treating us fair. Why were they not? Well, I remember there were some others that came later. They didn't work as long as the others, but everybody got paid. And the, the ones that have worked all this, wait a minute now. We were here. We did the work. We did. And these guys that come late, they still get paid? They missed the point. They missed the priority. And the same thing happened with this brother. The one who, who they thought was dead had gone so far away from home was now made alive, had returned. And there was that joyous reinstatement, for lack of a better word. And as he is being reinstated, the brother is like, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. I have been here all this time. And you didn't, do, you didn't give me a goat. You know, it is just a contrast. And you have it in both parables. Jesus used these parables both as a defense of his ministry to the outcast 
And he was inviting those grumbling critics. We never have those in church, do we? Grumbling critics. He was inviting those grumbling critics to maybe get on board with what he was doing. This parable continues the same theme. The theme of sharing that joyous participation in the kingdom work that God has for us. There, you can make a, an argument, I guess, that you know, some people receive the Lord at or near the point of death, and others walk with him from the time they're a child all the way through. But yet, when they get to heaven, do they have a separate part over here for those that didn't walk very long, uh, as opposed to those that had a lifetime of walking with the Lord? No, I, I don't read that, do you? I read that heaven is heaven. doesn't matter whether you're saved for five minutes or 50 years. Heaven is heaven. And that is what the joy that we need to remember. And the older brother never caught that. He, he, didn't, he didn't buy into that story. So this parable continues the same thing. God loves for the lost. He, it is found in Luke 15, 4 through 10. These two parables speak of the, the presence and hostility of Jesus. His opponents is gleaned from the context. When, when you go back to the first couple of verses of chapter 15, it says, Then all the tax collectors and sinners drew near to him to hear him. And the Pharisees and the scribes complained, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. Um, just a quick point here I want to ask. What was the purpose of Jesus' ministry? Was he there just to have a good time with the Christians? Well, you can't do that because why? There weren't any Christians yet. You know, there were some believers but the whole idea of being Christians, that doesn't come until Acts. It doesn't, you know, the whole idea of being Christians, Jesus Christ in, in faith and, and salvation. Well, that hasn't happened yet. And so with that situation, Pharisees and these tax well, he, he goes out and he has dinner with all these bad people. Isn't that kind of the point of the whole thing? We have a new pastor at White Oak Baptist Church. And I, I had to admire the church. Which we, were, we were in the time I make it to church as business meeting. I'm one of those good members, you know. We would go there for business meeting. And sometimes we'd make it other Wednesday nights, but not always. Well, this particular Wednesday, the pastor was still new. And one of the deacons made the proposal that they encourage the pastor, as much as he can, go to a different restaurant for lunch. Every, just about every day, or at least a couple times a week when he can. And the purpose is that he will be seen and get to know people in the community. They didn't tell him he could only eat with Christians. He might have dinner with somebody who doesn't know the Lord. Wouldn't that be terrible? Well, that's what Jesus was doing. He was doing meals with the lost. How else are you going to reach the lost unless you're there with them? And you, you can't reach them. You know, today you say, well, we can reach them by telephone. You couldn't do that then. Uh, so 
This parable continues that theme of God loving the lost. Celebrating anything in a, in a sinner's life beyond the Pharisees. That's why they accused Jesus of associating with sinners. Today, you could let God remind you, just as the father in this, old, uh, this story did the older son, that if you receive Jesus Christ into your life and allow him to forgive you, that he is always with you and everything you have is yours. That's the truth. This son forgot that he had been consistent. He had been faithful to his dad. Everything that his dad had was his. Because you see, the, the younger son had already taken what was his and squandered it. But the younger son, he had been faithful. And he had to remind him that the younger son we thought was dead is alive and now he is back. John Piper comments on this promise found in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Jesus Christ. Today, you have to ask yourself, have I ever been like the Pharisees? Have I ever wondered about why that Christian over there is associating with that non-Christian? You know, that, that could be trouble. That isn't what God, that is exactly what God called us to do. Now, I'm not recommending that you go and sit down and have a, a meal every day in, in the local bar, you know. But I am saying that sometimes we have to be in situations where we're sitting, where somebody sees us, and we're sitting down with somebody who has a very bad reputation in town. Everybody looks down on him. Maybe he has a few extra tattoos. Maybe he has a reputation of spending way too much time in that bar or spending too much money on drugs or whatever else. But yet he's willing to sit down with you and you have an opportunity to tell them about the gospel and maybe lead that person to Jesus. And rather than looking down on that situation, we need to pray for that Christian in that situation and pray, God, that you would give me boldness that I would want to do that also. So we need to be careful we don't misunderstand the prior, our priorities. Look at verses 28 and 29. You notice what he did. The, younger, the older brother. But he was angry and would not go in. Therefore his father came out and pleaded with him. And so he answered and said to his father, Lo, these many years I have been serving you. I've never transgressed your commandment at any time. Yet you never gave me even a young goat that I may make merry with my friends. When I was in Yemen, we were at the city of Hodeida, which is on the coast of the Red Sea. Yemen is a closed Muslim country on the, on the border of Saudi Arabia. It's a war-torn country right now with a, with a uh, I think this is their second or maybe third civil war that they have had in the last 50 to 75 years. It's been a, it, it, it's, I've never seen poverty. I've been in some pretty rough areas in some of our major cities, and uh, our roughest looks pretty good compared to the poverty I saw in Yemen, and it's right there on the coast and on the border of all that oil. They have a little bit of oil in Yemen, but not a whole lot. So we were in Yemen, 
I forgot where we wanted to go. We, we had a destination in mind. And so, being in the city, what do you do? You take a taxi. There were just a couple little things missing on this taxi. Not necessarily all that important, I don't think. One was seatbelts. The other was doors. <laughs> it did not have doors. So you have nothing to hold on to, and lane markings were there just to have some place to put the paint. They didn't necessarily follow the lane markings. Uh, there was a wild experience riding in vehicles in Yemen. Uh, you know, I, I've been in inner city traffic. Uh, this, was, this was crazy, even by our standards. But yet, uh, and I'm sure if Cheryl was with me, she'd have said, you want us to do what? <laughs> I don't think I need to get in that vehicle. But God protected us, and we were able to um, make it to our destination. You know, Jesus was never averse to taking a risk. Now, I don't know whether he would have gone on the taxi ride with and no doors, but eating with sinners was risky. People could get the wrong idea, and clearly... He, some of them did. Telling a parable where the sinner gets the glory for turning around and repenting was risky. The father wanted the older brother to take a risk. Despite all the older brother's beliefs about him being right, let's be honest, he did the right things, the younger brother didn't. This son's father wanted him to stop and to take a risk and celebrate the fact that his brother has been restored. You know, there, there would be consequences to what the younger brother had done. Maybe there's a chance he might do it over again. You know, sometimes as believers, we, we stray from God. Doesn't mean we lose our salvation, but we stray. I understand that. But this is a time of celebration. That which was lost has now been found. More than that, though, the father was asking the older brother to humble himself. I don't think the other brother realized how much of a chip he had on his shoulder, and that big old chip on his shoulder was pride. I did this. I was a good boy. I didn't go off and waste your money. I didn't do that, and I didn't do that. The older brother missed out on the party because of his attitude. He had the wrong priority, and he missed out. We're all sinners. We all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. It doesn't matter that we have an encyclopedia volume full of all of our sins, or maybe it's just a notebook. It doesn't matter. We all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. It doesn't matter whether it's one or one million. We all need the saving blood of Jesus Christ. Amen? And so that prideful brother needed that relationship with the dad and needed to put aside his pride and humble himself and celebrate this one that was lost and now is found. You know, I wonder if sometimes the reason... We're not busy is because we, like the older brother, we have God whispering in our ears saying, please humble yourself. Don't miss out 
on the celebration. Don't miss out on the opportunity to tell somebody about Jesus. Don't miss out on the joy of what God is doing in this area. And we're like, don't bother me, God. I'm having good much fun in my life. I am a good person. I am doing what you want me to do. I'm behaving myself, and I'm not going to worry about them. God's lessons from the parable is that we could need to be a bit more broken. I've been around Southern Baptist practically all my life. Grew up in Baltimore, Maryland, part of my life. Grew up in the home of an alcoholic. Grew up with a Christian mom. Most of the time, it was just my brother and I that went to church. One night when I was about 12 or 13, I had a preacher tell me about how I could find peace in my life through a man named Jesus. I like to say that my life just went mm, like that. Not, not quite. Yeah. I, I, I got into high school, got into football, got into this, and got into that. Never got into drugs, but got into a bunch of other stuff. And uh, it really wasn't until college that God really got a hold of me and uh, called me back to him and called me back to his ministry. And uh, it's been an interesting ride since then. And even though I'm retired, here's what I'm doing. I'm still back talking to you all. But, you know, it's interesting that God takes us, and even though we have those moments, and even though we have those, you get a little bit off, you know, at some point, every single one of us needs to be broken before God. I've had an opportunity to be in churches, be in conferences, and be in meetings all over this country. And I've been to more than enough Southern Baptists in every single year for the last 20 years or more. We've been talking about baptism going down and down and down and down. And we talk about this reason and we do that. And we come out with new programs like Who's Your One or Evangelism Explosion or Christian Witnessing Training or whatever it might be. And yet we're not, we're still going down and down and down. And all those are great, but we're missing the point. Unless we're broken. Can we rejoice over one who squandered everything, but yet came back to the Lord? We're not going to be, we're going to miss the joy of the mission that God has for us. Why are our churches empty? Because God's people aren't living out the mission that God called them to. In a little bit, we're going to talk about what's happening. What can we do? Um, we're going to begin this journey over so we're, we're going to have to have several of these meetings along the way. So one of the things I want to talk about today is how do we want to do that? Keep them all on Sunday after church. Do we want to set up a time? We'll, we'll talk about that. But even that, let's not lose sight of this one fact. You see, the father, when he went out to talk to the son, he was really saying to him, humble yourself. 
put aside all that. He's saying, you need to be broken just like my younger son was broken as he was slopping the hogs and realized, I can't go any lower. But if I went back to my dad, maybe he'll forgive me and make me a hired servant. The dad did more than that. The ring symbolized his back in the family. The robe symbolized his love. You know, there's all kinds of symbols in the way he was received back. But it all began with brokenness. We're going to do something one Sunday before I leave. I'm not sure when yet. It'll be a few Sundays. The whole service, I'll get together with, with your worship leaders and everything, and we will put together a service. The whole service is going to be about prayer. It is all to a spiritual awakening where hopefully we will get, maybe not physically, but at least spiritually, on our knees before God. That's what it's going to take. And I wish every one of our 60,000 or more Southern Baptist churches would do that. We'll talk more about that later. God's lesson from this parable could be that we need to be a bit more broken. So what is it that takes away from the joy? Do you remember the joy when you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Who moved? Is God still God? I didn't hear anything. Um, let's try it again. Is God still God? Is he? Who moved? Is God still saving people? Who moved? Is God still the joy in your life? A little weaker there. Who moved? You see what I'm saying? Distance can sour a celebration. You know, sometimes, you know, the old saying, you know, distance makes the heart grow fonder. It may grow fonder, but it may go cold, too. The Bible says what? Neglect not the assembling of ourselves. Why? Folks, we need each other. I'm not going to ask you. I thought about asking you to raise your hand, but I'm not going to embarrass you. But I want you to think about this question for a moment. Anybody here get beat up between Sunday and Sunday by the world? Yeah. How do we get over that? Prayer is one. The body of Christ, we need each other. You know, we need each other. Now, that works both ways, let me tell you. We are afraid even when we come into God's house. How many times have you had somebody come up to you and say, how are you doing? Oh, I'm fine. In reality, you're not. Matthew West had a great song that I love. You haven't, if you haven't heard it, Google 
All right. I mean, <laughs> Google, uh, <laughs> I, I laugh every time I say that because I think about this thing we used to follow on, on uh, Facebook all the time. This lady and her schnauzer. We have a miniature schnauzer, so we love schnauzers. Had a schnauzer named um, Pluto. And Pluto has his own personality and his own way of saying things. And instead of saying, look it up on Google, he would say, talk to Mr. Googly. Talk to Mr. Googly. So talk to Mr. Googly. And look up Matthew West and look up the song, Truth Be Told. And he, in this song, he makes the point that how many times do we not tell the truth to one another? We're hurting. We need each other. We need our, each other's prayers, and we don't know it because the person we're talking to says, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. When really, we're not. Distance can sour a celebration. When I say distance can sour, I'm, I'm not talking about just the ones that aren't here anymore. In fact, there are people in our churches every Sunday that can be just as distant as if they're not there at all. Anger can sour a celebration. Would you say the older brother was angry? Oh, yeah. yeah he, was, he was angry. Deep-rooted anger can cause one to whine and pout and complain. Now, what in the world would make people get all that upset at church? I mean, we're supposed to be all these great Christian believers, right? Until we spend money the wrong way. Well, I didn't like the color carpet. Right? They get mad. Decisions were made, but they disagreed with, and they get mad. Someone else gets more attention than they do, they get mad. If they're not asked to serve on certain committees, they get mad. No one calls them when they have a runny nose, they get mad. Another area of ministry gets more focused. What do you mean you're spending all that money on the youth? What about these little kids over here? Well, the, the youth camp is coming up in two weeks. We've got to have the money for that. It's $150 a person. They get mad. The preacher preaches about a childish man in the Bible that acts like they do. The older brother. They get mad. Once anger creeps in, it has a tendency to cause grown people to act like a two-year-old. Have you ever heard a mom say to their little boy, grow up and act like a man? Problem with that. The little boy has never been a man. He doesn't know what it is. He just act like a man. <laughs> but it's very easy for the man to act like a two-year-old. He's been there. He's done that. He knows what it's like. He got the T-shirt. He knows all about that. Immaturity can sour a celebration. The older brother wouldn't go in. Therefore, the father came out and, and pleaded with him. Yeah, we don't have names here. We just know him as the older brother. You would think being an older brother, he'd be wiser. But he, he wouldn't know by the way he's acting. What should have been a wonderful day to, for the father is hampered by the childish temper tantrum of an older brother. 
Are there childish people in our churches? Oh, yes. But God still saves lost souls. Are there immature people in our churches? But God still forgives those who backslide, who fall away. Doesn't mean they lose their salvation, but they lose the joy of their salvation. David said, restore unto me the joy of my salvation. Childishness of one person can have a terrible impact on a church. Pride can sour a celebration. All these years I served you, the boy said, the older boy said. I never transgressed your commands. You know what he's saying? I didn't do those things that he did. I mean, you know, I didn't go out and spend all that money on harlots. Now, how in the world did he know that he, he wasn't with the older brother? You know, he didn't, I don't think the older brother sent him a Facebook message and told him what was happening. You know, how would he know? Jesus put that in the story. It could very well be that God opened his eyes enough to see that how bad the brother was. Or maybe he just imagined. He figured, ah, he probably spent it on this and that and happened to be right. That could be too. But pride can sour. The pride of Proverbs says, pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than themselves. Philippians says, Philippians also says, look not every man unto his own things, but every man also on the things of others. The older brother didn't care that the younger brother had come home. That which was lost had been restored. If pride is in their heart, it will be apparent by what comes out of their mouths. Jealousy, look at verse 29 and 30, can sour the celebration. Notice what he said. So he answered and said to his father, Lo, these many years I have been serving you. I never transgressed your commandment at any time, yet you never gave me a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this son of yours, didn't even call him his brother, this son of yours, who has devoured your livelihood with harlots, you killed the fatted calf for him. He is jealous. Where did he get that idea? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speak it. It very well could prove the point that maybe he didn't go off and do those things, but he wished he had of. Maybe he's jealous of all the bad stuff that the younger brother did. I've been such a good boy and you didn't give me anything. He accused him of this because it's exactly what he wanted to do himself. When you spend your time looking at others instead of Jesus, maybe it is a little bit of jealousy. When you're focused on their abilities and their opportunities, when you constantly look at what they have done and where they have been, how they have been blessed and what they have that you don't, bitterness and jealousy will consume you. That happens with preachers all the time. We look at what ministry God has given us and we look at guys we went to school with and say, how do they, how do they get such, you know, and here I am over here because this is where God planted you. And maybe that's where you're gifted. And you're not gifted to do that, but you're gifted to do where you're at. 
Selfishness can sour a celebration. Look at verse 31 and 32. It says, Son, you're always with me. All that I have is yours. It was right that we should make merry and be glad, for your brother was dead and is alive again, was lost and is found. Selfishness can sour a celebration. Distance, anger, immaturity, pride, jealousy, and selfishness can sour the celebration. The father listened to the son's complaint, and he zeroed back in on what was important. That which was dead is now alive. He is back. Let's celebrate that. Selfishness is found in everybody that doesn't appreciate the things that God has blessed them with. So we start off by saying you can miss the joy by misunderstanding the priority, by refusing to participate. And the third thing is we can inflate our position. In verse 29, the older brother refuses to join the banquet. He likens his relationship to the father as years of servitude. I've been slaving for you, is what he's saying. And he didn't get any joyous recognition. I never disobeyed your orders. But this son of yours, as a very derogatory way it is written, he refused to participate. And it's a picture in the parable of him refusing to acknowledge the son's return. Squandered your property with prostitutes. How did he know this? Like I said, it could be. He wished he could have done those things. And lastly, the last thing that causes us to miss the joy is we forget the Father's provision. We forget the Father's provision. Stop and think for a moment. What has God blessed you with? Air, breath, heart, blood, circulation, salvation, and the list goes on and on and on. For me? Everything. That's right. Everything. What do we have to be jealous of? Why do we miss out on the joy of God's mission? Let's stand. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we do thank you. We praise you, God, for your, your wondrous salvation. It's the joy of the mission that you have for us. The fact that West Acres Baptist Church is still here means you have a purpose for it. It may look different. It may change. We don't know what's going to happen in the future. But it is still here. And Lord, may we put aside whatever it is that we need to and come boldly before you and say we're sorry and we want to serve you and we want to tell others about you and we'll do whatever it takes to reach this area for Jesus Christ. We commit this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. We'll take a couple minutes and then we'll...